Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter. Where every day feels like Saturday, and french fries are a food group. Where flip-flops are always in fashion, and seafood is always in season. Where the boardwalk is bustling, and the beach is right outside your door. Where you can rise with the tide, and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Hey, listeners. Dr. Jonathan Sue here, the Get Fit Guy. I'm taking a break from the podcast this week, but in the meantime, I wanted to share an episode of a brand new podcast with you. It's called Curious State, and it's all about discovering the unexpected gems of knowledge that exists all around us. This episode features best-selling author Daniel Pink to help answer the question, what is the point of regret? I love Daniel's answer, and I think you will too. If you enjoyed Curious State, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to Get Fit Guy right now. Regret. He's a bad roommate, that guy. Just when you're cradled in the gentle arms of sleep, he decides to crank up the blender for a midnight smoothie. I was just thinking about how your relationship with your mom has been falling apart for years and how you haven't done anything to fix it. Can't beat that blueberry. He shows up in your head and hangs out years after you kindly asked him to get the hell out. You know how you cancel your career dreams to have a family and now your heart is a bubbling pot of resentment? Well, (laughs) I was just thinking about that. And yet, there might be hope. A philosophy of no regrets is complete bullshit. Everybody has regrets. Truly, the only people without regrets are five-year-olds, people with brain damage, and sociopaths. Everybody else has regrets. That's Daniel Pink. He's gone and stuck his hand in the mousetrap of people's regrets and has come away with information that might make regret your new best friend, or at least a more tolerable roommate. I'm Doug Frazier, and this is Curious State. Daniel recently conducted a world regret survey that revealed so many juicy details about regret, and he's compiled the stats, stories, and revelations in his new book. The Power of Regret, How Looking Backward Moves Us Forward. A few of those knowledge morsels include four types of regret, what we regret at different ages, and how we oft-lamenting homo sapiens can use regret to our advantage. But first, let's lay down a definition of regret. There are two main components. First is comparison. For example, let's say you decided not to invest in candy canes when they first hit the market. And today, you're in despair because your financial circumstances are miserable. That in itself is not regret. The feeling becomes regret when you contrast your present situation with the one you might have had, a luxurious lifestyle funded by candy canes. Money. The second component of regret is assessing blame. And the finger pointing goes to none other than you. So you've compared your current situation to how things could have been, and to reach full regret status, you then have to blame yourself for your own decisions and actions. 
The takeaway here is always invest in cane-shaped candy. Duh. So what I did is I collected regrets from about 16,000 people in 105 countries to try to crack the code of what people regret. And what I found is that the traditional way we've thought about regret as about the domains of our life, family, romance, career, health, was masking something deeper that was going on. And around the world, there are these four core regrets. They are what I call foundation regrets. And those are regrets about not saving enough money, not working hard enough in school, not taking care of yourself. Uh, foundation regrets sound like this. If only I'd done the work. We also have boldness regrets, which is a really, really big and important category. Uh, boldness regrets are people who didn't ask somebody out on a date, didn't start a business that they wanted to, didn't travel, uh, didn't take a chance. And boldness regrets sound like this. If only I'd taken that risk. Moral regrets, another I mean, super interesting category. These are people who cheated on their spouse, cheated on tests, bullied other kids, um, swindled their business partner. Uh, and moral regrets are if, if only I'd done the right thing. And finally, our connection regrets, which are the biggest category. And connection regrets are uh, when you've had a relationship or, or should have had a relationship with anybody, with your parents, with your kids, with your siblings, with with uh, uh, a romantic partner, with friends, uh, and it ends up drifting apart and it stays apart. Connection regrets sound like this, if only I'd reached out. And these four regrets, to me, operate as essentially a photographic negative of the good life. That is, if we understand what people regret the most, we understand what they value the most. What do you think that says about us that the most common type of regret is a connection regret? Um, I, I think it says that that connections to other people, love in the broadest sense, not only romantic love, but the love we have for our siblings, the love we have for our friends, the love we have for our, ch our children is the oxygen <laughs> that we breathe and that without it, we suffocate. I think to me, what surprised me most about the connection regrets and it was actually very telling was um, the importance of friendship in people's lives. Uh, a lot of the regrets that people have co come around friendships that were once strong and significant and that came apart. And what's interesting about a lot of these relationships, but friendships in particular, is that they don't come apart in dramatic ways. They don't come apart through rifts. They come apart through drifts. Um, and what happens is, is that people feel you drift apart and then people feel awkward about reaching out. They say, oh, it's going to feel really uncomfortable and it's not going to be well received. So they don't do it. And the drift continues. And what both the World Regret Survey tells us and also a pretty significant body of academic research is that people are totally wrong <laughs> that, that when you reach out, it's not awkward and that it's almost always well-received. And so for me personally, you, you know, this, this research, I've totally changed my tune about like, you always reach out. If the one thing you glean from this body of material is when in doubt, always reach out, you're going to actually have a, a happier life. Amazingly through this negative emotion of regret. 
Ay, 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 that is easier said than done. I mean, I found myself in that situation plenty of times, and that discomfort is enough to make me want to put my phone down and just go make a sandwich for the next decade. Because, hello, it'll be awkward as hell. But the research suggests a different perspective. Our feelings of awkwardness about reaching out are almost always overstated. And the delight with which our overtures will be um, received is almost always understated. And and this is not only the stories that I've collected from these 16,000 people who've submitted regrets. There's also a lot of research, for instance, in so there's a very there's a very well-known study um, done at the University of Chicago where they had people get on commuter trains. Uh, they had their participants get on commuter trains and they were instructed, go strike up a conversation with the, a stranger. And and then the people had to predict how they would feel and how the stranger would feel. And everybody predicted, oh, it's going to be miserable. It's going to be awkward and it's not going to be well received. And what they found out was it's actually kind of interesting, wasn't awkward at all. And people were actually amazingly receptive and throughout a whole array of things like, you know, th- that's just one example of the academic research. What it tells us. And I think that your question is really wise. Like, why is connection regret is because these connections to other people are integral. And, and I want to actually even put a finer point on it, which is love is integral. And to me, one of the other takeaways from this research on regret is that we need to expand our notions of love. We tend to cabin our notions of love into essentially romantic love, the love I feel for my wife. All right. And, and, but we have, we express love. We need love in other relationships, even things that we don't typically think of as being glued together by love. A g- great example is, is friendship. And, and, and in doing this research myself, I have a group of very close friends and I'm realizing in doing this that I actually love these people. It's not just like I'm friendly with them. I love them. And I, I don't love them, obviously, in the same way that I love my wife or the same way that I love my kids, but I love them. And that love is sustenance. And I think one of the really interesting things about this is that, you know, you have this, this, this emotion of regret, which we think of as inherently aversive. And it actually gives us the pathway to what makes life worth living. That this negative emotion gives us a positive path to a, a happy life. Happiness is a universal feeling, but its cause varies widely from person to person and from age to age. Daniel's World Regret Survey revealed a key insight. What we regret tends to change as we grow older. When people are young, they're, they have a lot of regrets about actions, what they did. The older people get, the more the major, vast majority of their regrets are about inactions, what they didn't do. Uh, and so, and I think that's very, I think that's very telling. What really sticks with us over time as we age are the things we didn't do. We didn't reach out. We didn't take that chance. We didn't do something. We didn't speak up. We didn't take that, you know, mundane things like we didn't take that trip that we've always wanted to take. But we also, we didn't speak up. Uh, when we saw some kind of injustice, uh, we didn't reach out to that sibling from whom you've become estranged. And so the big age difference is that younger people have a lot of action regrets, but the older you get, once you hit basically your mid thirties or so, the more those inaction regrets start to dominate. 
by doing something, we might regret it. And by not doing something, we might regret that too. If only there was a way to deal with all these regrets we've been stockpiling in our brain garage. Science to the rescue. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. But how do you feel? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? Get to GNC. We'll help with solutions to address those side effects and keep you going on your journey. GNC. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. One thing that is worth knowing here is that when we have regrets, there is a body of science that tells us how to deal with them. One of the most important distinctions in the architecture of regret is the difference between action regrets and inaction regrets. Regrets about what I did, regrets about what I didn't do. So for action regrets, you have two choices. You can undo the regret. All right. This is, this is, yeah. I, I offended somebody. I'm going to go apologize. I regret that I did that, but I'm going to go apologize to try to make amends. Or, you know, I have one guy in the book who got a no regrets tattoo that he wanted to have removed. All right. So he's undoing <laughs> that regret. All right. There's another t- strategy that comes from the research on counterfactual thinking that I call at leasting your regret. And it's fairly simple. It's just about finding a silver lining. So I have a lot of mostly women actually in the, in the sample who have regrets that sound like this. I totally regret marrying my first husband, but at least I've got these great kids. So find the silver lining. Now, inaction regrets, which is the bigger category, is there's a there's a three-step process. The first thing you do is you disclose the regret. Disclosing your regrets helps people out. One of the reasons that regret is a burden is that we keep it in ourselves, and there's a huge body of research showing that disclosing it, talking about it, is helpful. We We tend to think that Self-disclosure makes people like us less. It actually makes them like us more. You can also disclose to yourself. Simply writing about your regrets to yourself is powerful. The second step after self-disclosure is something called self-compassion, which is is research spearheaded by a woman named Kristen Neff at the University of Texas. And essentially what self-compassion says is treat yourself the way you would treat a friend. We tend to lacerate ourselves. We make a mistake and say, oh, I can't believe I did that. I'm an idiot. I'm a dumbass. You know, I, you know I'm such a fool. And we would never say that to somebody else. <laughs> and, and so treat yourself with the same generosity you would treat 
somebody else. Recognize that your regrets and your mistakes are part of a common human experience. And the final one is a really interesting technique called self-distancing, where you you sort of you want to so so you so you disclose, you have self-compassion, then you want to strategize for what to do about it. And the way to do that is something called self-distancing. And those are things like talking about yourself in the third person. So I could say something like, okay, Dan, uh, I, I regretted taking that job uh, several years. I regret taking that job several years ago. So I'm going to tell people about that. I'm going to say, you know what? A lot of people take bum jobs and don't realize what they're getting into. And you know, you got out of it. So some simple compassion, and then self-distancing, I say, what should Dan do about this? What is the lesson that Dan should extract from that? And by having some distance, um, even linguistically, by changing your pronoun from first person to, to third person, um, people end up being more clear-headed in the way that they approach things. And so this recipe of self-disclosure, self-compassion, and self-distancing allows us to take a lesson from that regret and use this backward-looking negative emotion as a way to look forward in a positive way. And it's actually really simple. Wow. That is super simple. And it's it makes so much sense. And I think a detail in there that is really a transferable skill is using language in a way that is positive or is in tune with what you're trying to achieve anyway. Because, yeah, the way that we describe our experiences becomes the experience. I'll be your hallelujah chorus uh, to, to that one as someone who was an undergraduate linguistics major. Uh, and you'll see for the, for the, for the tens of your listeners who are obsessed with linguistics, you'll see some interesting linguistic research in this book too. Starting this book, like what got you interested in taking such a deep dive? My own regrets. I'm not sure I would have written this book 20 years ago. You know, the older you get, the more you start hitting certain kinds of junctures. Oh my God, how I've been married for 20 years. How is that possible? I'm only 22 myself. I feel like I'm only 22 myself. Wait a second. I've got a kid who just graduated from high school. Wait, I got a kid who just graduated from college? How is that even possible? I graduated from college three years ago. And so as you start hit, for me at least, as I started hitting these kind of milestones, I started looking backward. And, um, and, you know, and I think these milestones in life are these kind of temporal landmarks where we go and we kind of assess things. And when you, when I look backward, I had some regrets. And did, and for whatever weird reason, I started talking to him about people and I got a reaction that was, Amazing. Cause it almost like, 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 like my mentioning my own regrets liberated them to talk about their regrets. And suddenly we're having a conversation that is rich, <laughs> a conversation that is not about what'd you do this weekend or, you know, um, are the Washington Wizards going to lose again? But it was a question about what's the purpose of life and what makes life worth living and, you know, when am I going to step up and do something big? And my gosh, I did something wrong several years ago and it still gnaws at me. And wait a second, I'm not the only one. Regret is everywhere. One study by social scientist Susan Shimanoff broke down transcripts of everyday conversations of undergraduates and compiled a list of positive and negative emotions. Topping the list of negative emotions was our old pal regret. The only emotion mentioned more often was, wait for it, love. Regrets and love. If mankind had a three-word tagline, that would be it. I went into this book with a question, which is that um, why do we disdain regret 
when it actually seems like it could be useful? And is that right? And also, what do people regret? I start thinking about my own regrets. Am I an outlier or am I like everybody else? So I went in with those questions. And so in the course of that, what I was trying to do is like just answer the question or just discover that, wait a second, regret is part of what it is to be human. Regret makes us human. Done right, regret makes us better. If we understand what people regret, we have a pathway to the good life. And there, and all of this is informed not only by my own research, but by, you know, about 40 or 50 years of social science that says, hey, wait a second, we can actually take this very prevalent emotion of regret, something that every single person experiences. And instead of running away from it, and certainly instead of wallowing in it, we can actually enlist it to live better and, and work smarter. Regrets echo across our lives, but what's the point of them? They can help us rediscover what we missed while we were marinating in our own soupy mess of self-loathing. They're a warning light that can help us identify where we've gone wrong in the past and how we can change those behaviors and choices in the future. When used properly, regret can act as a compass for a well-lived life, a valuable tool that can help guide us and heal us improve our decision-making skills, boost our performance, and deepen the meaning of our experiences. It's through the cracks caused by regret where the good life is waiting to be discovered. In the end, regret may seem like a bad roommate, but maybe he's just misunderstood. You know, this outro song reminds me of how you never really reached your full potential, but that's all the more reason to keep trying. So get on out there and make something of yourself. Purchase Daniel Pink's new book, The Power of Regret, How Looking Backward Moves Us Forward, in written or audio form, visit danpink.com. I have a quick favor to ask. If you're enjoying Curious State and want to help out the show, share it with a friend. It's a completely free way to support us so we can bring brand spanking new episodes to your ears every week. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, email me at curious at quickanddirtytips.com. If you prefer talking over typing, leave me a voicemail at 757-541-8471. For more information about the show and where you can find us across the internet, check out our show notes or visit quickanddirtytips.com. Special thanks to the Quick and Dirty Tips team, Adam Cecil, our audience development and podcast manager, Morgan Christensen, podcast and advertising operations specialist, Emily Miller, assistant manager, Davina Tomlin, marketing and publicity assistant, and our trusty intern, Brendan Pika. Curious State is hosted and produced by me, Doug Frazier, for the Quick and Dirty Tips Network, which is a division of Macmillan Publishers, in partnership with Mignon Fogarty Incorporated. Until next time, stay curious. Get Fit Guy is a Quick and Dirty Tips podcast. It's audio engineered by Nathan Sims, with script editing by Adam Cecil. Our podcast and advertising operations specialist is Morgan Christensen. Our assistant manager is Emily Miller. Our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. And our intern is Brendan Pika. The Quick and Dirty Tips Network is a division of Macmillan Publishers. Save big money in your next project with help from Menards. Move water where you need it quickly with a Barracuda sump pump. 
Some pumps keep your basement dry when big storms hit unexpectedly. Get a half-horsepower cast-iron Barracuda sump pump on sale now through May 5th. Hurry into Menards and don't forget to check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist, you'll want to invite everyone over. From book club to reality TV watch parties, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is infused with two times more essential oil versus regular Airwick Essential Mist for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is perfectly portable and effortlessly easy, the way fragrance should be. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick.